This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hi and welcome to another episode of Business and Heels podcast. This is episode six and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, according to Australian Bureau of Statistics, 60% of all businesses fail in the first year and 80% of the remainder fail within four to five years. And one of the main reasons why these businesses fail is that they didn't seek advice before they started or they failed to receive ongoing advice with a business mentor. Now, joining me on today's show is Deb Frivens. She is known as the Spirited Advisor. She is a mother of two amazing young men who have forged careers in their own right and she moved with her two boys in 1992 to work in Target Buying Office and that's where she met Lisa Sweeney and Joe Plummer. Now Deb started developing excellence in business in 2015 using her 30 plus years experience in business both corporate and SMEs. Now she spends much of her time learning as she does teaching to ensure that she keeps up with best practices to pass on to her clients and she bought the Geelong and the Melbourne CBD Business and Heels branch in December 2015. Now on today's show, grab a pen and paper, you're going to take lots of notes. Deb's going to be sharing her simple five-step process to success in your business. There's also going to be some key things that you need to consider to ensure that you stand out in the crowd and she'll also share how she's doing that. And also the question, are you diversifying or are you diversifying? So, so much more. Welcome to the show, Deb. Morning, Anne-Marie. Thank you for having me. Look, you and Lisa and Joe go back such a long way. How incredibly exciting that today you are working uh, together, uh, spearheading the business and heels branches and, and bringing, you know, success tactics and tips and strategies to help women in business to grow their successful business. Yeah, thank you. Business and heels has been um, so much more than I expected, to be perfectly honest. I have met the most amazing women. We've had some fantastic um, guest speakers. Joe and Lisa do a lot of work behind the scenes on the offers that they have, the opportunities that they present for our women, mm. such as what we're doing today. 
Um, and yeah, Business in Hills has been uh, has been really good for me as much as I enjoy doing it for all of our beautiful ladies. Yes, that's one of the things I love about Business in Heels. As we're learning and growing and developing our own business, we're sharing that with others. And of course, you are a business mentor. And as we said, you, you like to be known or are known as the spirited advisor. So you provide advice. And it just is really a supportive environment, which I love, uh, certainly. And, and certainly today, you're going to share some key things as well. So one of those statistics from the ABS, I mean, that is pretty significant in terms of the amount of businesses that unfortunately, just don't make it to, you know, to growth and, and to sustainability. 60% fail in the first year, 80% fail in the remaining uh, remaining four to, to five years. One of the main reasons they don't seek advice before they start or an ongoing mentor. It can be tough in business, can't it? It certainly is. And the environment out there at the moment is really tough. Money is not exactly flush. But in my opinion, particularly in the retail sector, there are so many opportunities for small business. I don't think the big guys are really catering to the Australian market at the moment. They're mm. all run by um, overseas people and their thinking is different. And I don't believe that they're identifying the Australian customer. And they, the bigger ones are too um, Melbourne or Sydney centric. So particularly in regional areas, you know, you really need to identify very clearly who your customer is and mm. what are the products that they're looking for. There's absolutely no point in selling um, bathers in December, uh, sorry, in June in um, in uh, Warrnambool <laughs> and Mount Gambier or, or selling parkas in Queensland any time of the year. Um, you know, you've got to look at what your local market's looking for and that applies to colours, to themes, to to anything that you're doing know, know who your market is and what they're looking for and then diversify do not go to the big shops and look at what they're doing and do a me too because there's no point you might as well go to target and kmart if you're going to do that mm. what is it that you've got what are your products why should i walk into your shop and find something in your store when i can go somewhere else and do more yes that that what have you what you have just said I think is an incredible mindset shift for us because so often we do look at those larger companies and we think how on earth can I compete with the amount of money that they have behind backing them but there are so many different things that we can do that they can't possibly do we are more nimble we can react more you know more quickly we're not governed by a whole lot of executive you know processes that we need to go through which for smaller businesses we can really embrace and en enable us to stand out. So you talk about a simple five-step process that'll enable us to generate successful outcomes in our business. So Deb, what are those steps? And let's just speak about them briefly today. The first step is the one that I just spoke about, which is to identify, absolutely identify who your target market is that you're looking for. The big guys do the 80-20 rule, so they're looking for the majority. So they're not looking for the people in your area necessarily. Mm. So identify your target market and identify who you are and what you want, what are the product ranges, what is the, the, the offer that you have. And it doesn't really matter whether it's products or services. What is it that you want to offer? Not what is everybody else doing that you can do the same, mm -hmm. but what is your niche? So identify who you are and what the, your message is to get across to your clients. Once you've worked out exactly what you want to do and how you're going to do it, you then look at analysing. So you analyse the marketplace, you analyse what product range you need, you analyse logistics of getting there, your branding, your marketing. There's 101 areas that you need to look at to really analyse what is needed in the marketplace and how you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that analysis, then 
it actually is relatively easy or easier to plan because if you've done the analysis and you understand where you're coming from, then you can pl plot out how you're going to achieve that. You can have good stock flow, you can have it in a timely manner, you can have the right products for the right customers in the right times. And that's what you need to do with your planning all that through. The implementation then becomes a breeze because you've done all your work to start with. So you implement all those plans that you put into place. And then to me, the most important one after the analysis is to monitor it. It's mm. all very well to put these plans into place, but none of us are Houdini. We're not going to be absolutely 100% correct on every decision that we make from the beginning. So monitor what you've done. If things aren't working, you can bet your bottom dollar that it's not the whole business, it's one section. So go back and do your analysis. What is the area of the business that's not working? Did I buy too much of one product and not enough of another, another product? Am I not marketing in the right areas? Am I not displaying it properly? Go through all of the things that you looked at for the areas that aren't working and then go through the process again. You've analysed it, plan what changes you're going to make, implement those changes, monitor those at the end. And so the process just continues. Mm. Once, you've, once you've done that initial identification of your clients and your, and your offer, then the other four are a cyclic analyze plan implement monitor analyze plan implement monitor and and keep going yes i think for many of us who are in business so whether we're in a retail environment or whether we're providing service offerings each of those key steps we may find that we're not providing or delving deep enough we're not analyzing enough as we said earlier one of the key things that that kind of led to business failure was they didn't get advice they didn't seek advice so if we're working through on our own this analysis and not getting feedback from others around us, we could think something is a great idea, whether it be stock, whether it be launching a service. Yet had we gone out, done a bit of research, done a bit of uh, getting feedback from people in the industry or you know, well-respected business, uh, business consultants and advisors and mentors such as yourself, we could have got the feedback, uh, no, that's probably not a best idea to, because we could be passionate about something, but are our potential clients? Do you find that it's because we're not going through those enough or is it also also because we're not monitoring and therefore we just continue to do the same thing over and over again. I think a lot of it once we've if you haven't done that process to start with yeah. then you're not exactly doomed for failure but you're going to find it more difficult and you're going to find it more difficult to do the analysis of in the individuals if you don't know how you've planned it properly to start with. Um, you know, I've worked with girls who basically bought an empty shop and thought this looks lovely. I've got really good taste. Everybody's going to come and buy what I buy because I've got such wonderful taste. Yes. Well, then it doesn't work. Um, and they don't understand why it doesn't work because they like a product and it's still sitting there. Well, the customers should like it because I do. And it doesn't, you know, I can well remember one of my very first customers I spoke to and I said to her about five times, what's your best selling item? She said, oh, I really like this. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. What item do you sell the most of? Oh, this is really nice. No, that's mm. not my question. <laughs> where is your, where are you getting, oh, well, it comes out of this product here, which she didn't like but she was selling the biggest volumes in it. So she was spending money on all the little stuff that she liked and running out of stock of the stuff that the customers were actually going into her shop to get. Yes. Now, the customer that she wanted to identify to was not the customer that she was actually getting in her store. So then you've got to make a few choices about, you know, how you're going to run your business. Do you want to then just try and get rid of the customers that you've got, which would not be my advice, <laughs> um, and go for what you want to sell or do you 
put more stock in of the stuff that your customers are coming in for and promote that area to, so that you can get more of those customers through the door. Oh, absolutely. And I can imagine too, if you've got customers who are coming through the door in a retail environment and they're purchasing the products that they really love and want more of, they're also, they're there in your store going to have a look around. So there may be a select number of other items. But this is such an important lesson for businesses in service and in, in product. How often are we putting so much time, energy and money promoting something which if we were to analyse are not our best sellers so we would be better served to put all of that detention and energy, focus and money on the products and services that are selling, that are needed, that our customers do want and really consider should we have those other ranges which just sit on the shelf or no one's really interested in all. I mean certainly um, great, great advice. And that gets to that point earlier. And I have to confess, I didn't come up with the word diversifying myself. A girlfriend mentioned it to me. And oh, I, think, I love oh, it. <laughs> I, it is so good. And this, that is a classic example where she started with a range of products. And you're right, the customers come in and they are looking. So she did pick up a bit of this and a bit of that. Mm. But that side of her business has overtaken her core business in space, in presentation, and in dollar terms of what she can afford to finance. So she's now struggling to, when I met with her, she was struggling to keep the money up because she had too much money tied in the wrong area. So she diversified a little bit, which was fabulous because she was able to offer her core customers those few extra trinkets, which was fabulous. Mm. But then she got to the stage of diversifying because she had too many trinkets and not enough core product. Yes, absolutely. And, and as you said earlier, all of those lessons apply whether you're talking about products or whether you're talking about services. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, Deb, and we are going to dive more into the diversifying and diversifying because there's some other key areas within that as well. But one of the things that I love that you're going to share is how do we stand out from, you know, from the crowd? Because there are many people, I'm sure, that are either in our industry in retail and providing certain products that we are or services as well. And one of the things that you say is that you're not a one-size-fits-all offer. So you help our, us develop sustainable strategies specific to your client's business needs. So you're really doing what you've just said to us understand your client develop the solutions that they will really find beneficial what are some things that we can take away from today's interview that we should start to do more of and focus on or maybe even stop doing so that we can start to stand out and be recognized as hey that person is the go-to person for xyz i think what your comment at the very beginning of that is is the absolute point. It's listening to your customers. If you've got a customer that's coming into your store on a regular basis asking you for a specific product, your offer implies to them that you should have that sort of product in your store. So listen to your customers. It may not be something that you personally like. When I was a buyer for a thousand years, I, I bought for Maya and David Jones and Target and um, Harris Scarves over the years. And the, the first lesson of being a really good buyer is you never buy what you like because mm. you are not the general public. And particularly the years that I was with Target in particular, we travelled extensively across the world. We got to see things very differently and we all have specific taste level. But, you know, your home doesn't look like my home, Anne-Marie, and it's not because my home's better than yours or vice versa. It's because we're all individuals and we have individual tastes. But there are clusters of individuals that make up our clientele. So who are the cluster of individuals that you're working with? Um, I have one client out in the country who is a gorgeous girl, and the growth in her business is all coming out of local produce. Two reasons. The locals like supporting the locals, 
And secondly, the tourists that are going through love the idea of getting this local products. So she started off as a, a deli, basically, and she's diversified and she's got some fantastic ranges of all sorts of um, goodies. Mm. <laughs> um, and she's turned the floor space in the middle into a cafe and then the walls around the outside with the products that she's selling and really honing in on on uh, local produce because that's what her customers wanted. Yes. Her, her locals were saying to her, you know, I want to support Mary Jane down the road with the eggs and milk and honey and whatever it is. And the tourists coming through just thought it was fantastic having this range of, of Australian, if they were overseas people, and even if they're Melbourne people, to be able to get product from the local area. It's different. It's something that they can't get. Um, back up in Melbourne. Yeah, I love that. You know, and sometimes the most simplest of solutions and strategies ends up being the most incredible. The fact that she's buying local, thinking local, the locals love her, and she's so refined that people that come from outside and who are tourists to that area just love that local feel because that's why they're traveling there because they want to understand the culture and obviously partake of the, the food and, and all of those kind of things. How often do we uh, become so overwhelmed in our business because we're looking for the magic pill and the magic answer and all oh, I need you know the shiny bright object syndrome I'm sure we've all heard and I, I know I've stumbled across it but here is someone who's really identified got this plan and just continuing to offer you know exceptional outcomes and, and services or products in this instance within the local field with a local field. Absolutely. Um, I had a lovely lady in Melbourne I was working with who was selling apparel that was kind of 30s and 40s inspired, not my personal taste level. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a challenge. And her, her figures were failing. But when we looked at where she was marketing to, you know, she was marketing to the wrong crowd altogether. Yes. So for her, it was really easy. We turned it around because she identified a niche with her products and as I said, there are people out there. She wasn't competing with the David Jones and Myers and all targets of the world by any stretch of the imagination, but she also wasn't appealing to the right customer. So we changed her marketing around. We looked at different different avenues for her. Where are the customers that she's getting? Where are they coming from? What sorts of things do they do? Because a lot of it for local retailers is not about, and, and service providers, it's not so much about advertising it's about marketing how do you get your message out there how do you get your brand across um, to the right target audience mm. it's interesting that uh, from the the examples that you have shared and this is where I think it's so valuable to get someone from the outside in because so often we're so ingrained and we're so used to seeing things we cannot see some of these themes and some of the the, the information the data that will help us kind of follow the trail you know the breadcrumbs if you will to saying look the products you might want to really say there's a market but your marketing's not right your message is not right so it's not about reinventing the whole wheel and starting from scratch it's looking at what's already working well can we pick up from that do it even better put it in a different marketplace you know and, and market it a little bit differently to attract that if someone was listening today and thinking oh goodness I can see that that is very 
much apparent in, in my business. What kind of time frame? And I know this is probably one of those answers, well, how long's a piece of string? But generally, yes. if we start to look, maybe the, the, the case with the, the woman that was selling the apparel, from the time that you started to do that analysis through to starting to see a shift in, hang on a minute, we're now starting to attract our, our ideal client. What kind of time frame did she experience? In her case, it probably took about six weeks, I think, because she spent about two to three weeks only kind of really asking the customers, how did you find out about us? Why are you looking for the, you know, not indirect questions like that, but, you know, just in, mm. while she was serving them, what brought you into our shop? Uh, you know, isn't the product wonderful? Where, do, where are you wearing this? You know, where was the market from? So it took her three or four weeks to get some research and then she very quickly was able to, to change her marketing. The lady that I was talking to in the first place who diversified too much, Yes. Um, I sat down with her. We and Credit to her, I rattled off about 50 things that she could do <laughs> and said, look, you know, we need to sit down and hone in on some of these. Mm. We had an appointment for three weeks later and she turned around and put on a 48% increase wow. because she'd implemented a lot of the things that I'd said to her. So she just went back and did it because yes. it was her own business. So she was able to react straight away and she put on a 48% increase in the first month. Amazing. So really it is about analysis taking action don't an analyze things too much because we heard you know that saying analysis paralysis but I love that and and I think when we do take action in the right direction we should almost get immediate feedback because clients you know potential clients will come in and go oh I love this and then they tell other people and so on and, and so forth it's really interesting because um, you're talking about previously working with target and here's what makes just so incredible when you have the, the, the message right and even in images I love Instagram so I'm often searching through that you know scrolling through that and then all of a sudden there was a sponsored ad from Target and they had the lovely um, rose gold you know and, and uh, marble in stationery and everything I was there with my daughter the next day you know because we use those things for the Instagram posts and, and flat lays and so forth but you know when you get that message right and you incorporate that whether it be words whether it be you know articles whether it be uh, imagery you really can stand out for your ideal client. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, the, the marble effect wouldn't necessarily work in their, their target catalogues because that's not, you sure. know, the catalog customer's looking for a bargain. It's a different clientele. Absolutely. You were looking for something a bit nicer and and found the right product in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. So placement is all very important too. Where Where is your ideal customer congregating? Where are they putting their attention? and uh, ensure that you get the right message out in the right place. Let's talk about, I've been dying to talk more about the diversifying and diversifying. What do we need to do to stop diversifying? It's really just not trying to do too much. Um, I think particularly from a retail perspective, the big guys have gone too far. I think the doctors have gone the opposite way. I mean, if you want your toenails, you go to a different doctor to somebody about your fingernails. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, we only do the top, the top end, not the bottom end. Exactly. And I think, you know, that that's a case of, in my opinion, of diversifying because it's really hard to go to a really good GP that can cover everything. But from a from a, a, a product perspective, particularly, if you if you have a clear, you know, I had a lady who had a, um, a homeware store and beautiful, beautiful products. So then she started to sneak in a few scarves and gloves and beanies and bags and T-shirts and shorts. And the work, why does she got, people kind of got to the door and thought, what is she selling? Mm. And just walked out. They stopped entering the store. You know, when they walked into a homeware store, the, the sign on the door was 
free time wears, wasn't that obviously, but to protect the person, it was a homeware store. So they went in with a mindset of buying homewares. And when they got in there, they're presented with gloves and scarves and beanies. And I think, oh, really? You know, I came to buy homewares. I didn't come to buy hats and I can go next door for that. Mm. And it's not that the product is wrong necessarily. The the message that you're giving the customer is this is a homewares store. Yes. So sell homewares. You don't sell salt and pepper shakers in amongst your black pants and T-shirts in David Jones. No. They have a separate <laughs> section for that yes. for a very good reason because people's mindset is you're not going to pick up a pair of salt and pepper shakers when you're buying a pair of black pants. No, absolutely. Look, this I think is is such a valuable lesson. Again, across service-based businesses too, we can offer, oh yes, we do that. And by the way, did you want that with that? And we can confuse our clients and it really does water down the message that you are a specialist in that area. This particular store, they specialize in everything to do with A, B and C, which is very focused, very targeted and same with, with service-based. And we can really dilute our message, can't we? When we're offering too many things that just don't fit together absolutely and even within one category if you get for ease of, of um, conversation if we say a dress shop if you're selling you know young trendy clothes for the kids for streetwear and you're selling a larger ladies size clothing and you're selling wedding wear if you put the three of those in the one ad you're selling a mess. Mm. If you separate them out into separate categories and this week you advertise your wedding wear and next week you advertise your team wear and you keep it separate within the store, assuming you have a large enough store to be able to do that properly, then you can still pick up those three customers. It's not a matter of walking away from it. It's a matter of if that's what you really want to do, then how do you present it in a manner that is not confusing to the customer? Mm. Yeah. So you remove the, no the noise, the, you know, the the jumble sale of, of products in there and just make it very clear. Yeah, yeah. Something I'd love to to get your um, your insights on because, you know, being a buyer, these are, you know, there's certain things that you follow, there's certain systems and processes I'm sure that you've, um, you know, you've put into to place to ensure that the decisions you're making have great outcomes towards the end. And I think we can use this in the terms of, of again, product and even services, particularly because we may, as businesses, want to keep providing the types of solutions, product and solutions that we know our clients are going to need. So it's almost having a, a predictive, um, if, if there's such a word, uh, analysis and what do we know that they're going to need before they even know that. What were some of the things that you considered as you were going around the world looking for potential things to invest in so that you could then sell that in the store? Were there some key things that you can recall? When we did what we called our shop trips and travelled the world, you would kind of go for two reasons, one for colour and one for shape. If you bring them back exactly as they are overseas, invariably they don't work in Australia and we would adapt them to Australian conditions. And in a lot of cases, I did kids wear for many years, the, the colours in Los Angeles in particular, Southern America, as you probably know, Emmerine, different parts of America is like being in Europe. Yes. Um, the Texans are very different to the Californians, which is very different to the New Yorkers. Absolutely. So we would get our colours out of um, places like um, Los Angeles or uh, San Diego in particular with kids wear. But then you would get your shapes and uh, so on out of Europe. Um, so we'd put the two together to come up with a product mix that was right for the Australian market. There you go. That suited our, our clientele. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really and, and really that just goes to show what you said right at the beginning of the show. You need to know your market. You really have to understand your customer, what he or she wants. Um, and continue to let that guide the decisions that you make in the choices that you have in your store and even the services that you that you offer. If you stray too far from their requirements, it'll be on the shelf or you'll offer it on your website and no one will be interested in it. So great Correct. reminder. So look, Deb, you've shared so many incredible things today. I know I've taken a lot away myself. It's always great to, to, to be able to feature incredible women in business who are doing great things. How can people find out more about you and the services that you offer? Developing Excellence in Business is my company name. So www.developingexcellenceinbusiness.com or send me an email at deb at debconsulting.com. Um, and let me know what your problems are or what you think your problems are and we can have a chat. I always do a free first up consult because everybody's different and we like to work with people that we can relate to easily. So I like to do a first free consultant to find out what your issues are because if you've got issues that I can't resolve, Mm. then I'm not going to charge you to work with you because I I can't do that to people. So we do a first consult for free and then we'll go in and start analysing and seeing where your issues are and and what we can do to help you in your business, whether it's goods or services. Fantastic. Look, thanks again for coming on the show, Deb. And come to Business in Hills and find out more. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much uh, again for sharing your insights there and thank you for listening today. We want to continue the conversation over at the Business in Hills Facebook pages and the group. So all you need to do is go to businessinheels.com for further details. Tell us, what's one aha that you've taken away from today's show? I'm sure there are many. What's one action step? One of the things that Deb spoke about today was implementation and how important that is. So what are you committing to implement within the next 24 hours to get into action. One of those things may be getting in contact with Deb so that you can have a conversation on how you can grow your business. Now, if you want to grow your network and grow your business, please come to an in-person Business in Heels uh, event too. There are many around uh, the country. So check out them out, businessinheels.com. And by the way, get clear, walk in confidence as your destination is closer than you think.